All right, let's do it. We got him, ladies and gentlemen. We got him. The executive director of one of the most respected AU programs in New York City, uh, Jay David of the New York Jayhawks. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, my man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I invited you here because we need to get the blueprint. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned, you you have one of the more respected AU basketball programs in New York City. Um, it's not easy to navigate that yeah. landscape. Right. How long have the Jayhawks been around? Um, if you include the COVID years, um, 12 years. 12 years. 12 and a half years. But you take the COVID years out, we've only been playing for about 10. almost. This, so our 10th year anniversary would be last year. Okay. Tell me about the moment you made the decision. Yo, this is what I want to do. So you're going to laugh. So I was actually studying. Um, I have a biology degree and a math degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was studying medicine and all that stuff. And then I just decided it wasn't for me. And um, my uncle, who actually started the program, my uncle Drew, um, had New York Jayhawks. It was New York City Jayhawks at the time. Okay. And it was strictly for kids from his neighborhood. He's from Southside and stuff. So um, all of the kids was from that area, yeah. from Queens, Southside. They was from Left Rack. They was from different areas of Queens. Yeah. But they were like young kids. Mm-hmm. So um, ultimately, he when I decided to make my transition, he was like, hey, why don't you come down? You know, be with these kids. They'll look up to you. You're not too far from their age and stuff like that. I think at the time I had just turned 30. Okay. And um, my daughter was just about to turn one. So she was only like eight months when this happened. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, cool. So we go down. And I remember this vividly. We go down. Uh, one of our parents um, was on the board of AAU or something like that. So he goes, hey, why don't you guys go to Super Showcase and all this stuff, make it a whole family type trip, which we did. And that was our first away trip. Punched. <laughs> Punched. At the time, um, Gauchos was ridiculous. Where'd you guys travel to? We went to Orlando. Okay. So they had the Super Showcase there. And what we did was we just went like as a program. We only had two teams then, 16s and 17s. Right. Um, so we went as a program. All the parents went. My daughter came. Her mother came. Everybody came. So we go down there. You know, we had some decent kids, like good basketball yeah. players. Um, and then just we realized where what it was at that time. Yomka, which was the YMCA of um, Memphis, okay, they were ridiculous. Um, Gauchos was there. But we ended up going two and two, okay, which was like a win for us, you know, because it was all city kids from Queens, maybe one or two Brooklyn kids, one or two Long Island kids. So what did that experience do? You weren't discouraged? Like, you getting nah. punched? Well, well what was well, going through your mind that weekend? I was young, relatively speaking. I was young. So you think, like, yo, I got to try to yell these kids and, like, motivate <laughs> these kids into a win. You know right. what I'm saying? And then um, you realize, like, that's not really it. But um, we all were super close. We did everything. We went go-kart. We went to, um, you know, the nights of whatever it is to watch them duel. It was a good time. Right. But what it did was it gave us a lesson. So each one of the steps in this taught me a lesson. So we looked at each other like, yo, we can't. If we're going to be good, one, we can't charge nobody like that. And Financially, two, yeah, you can't charge. We were, char- we were charging because we didn't, you know, we didn't have no money. Right. We had money, but we were supplementing what we were asking our parents to pay. Okay. And we do like fundraising. We, to this day, we still do fundraising, okay. right? So um, we had a lesson. So we came home, and I'm like, yo, I need to get a real basketball job. Because I've been around basketball my whole life. 
like my entire life. I played in high school. Where at? At New York Military Academy. I went away when I was like 13. Okay. Right? That's in the NEPSAC. So all NEPSAC, all Hudson Valley. I just wasn't like the kids that were coaching. Like these kids are ridiculously talented. I was good enough, but I was really good in the classroom. Right? I see. With biology and math degree, where'd you go to college at? I went to UMass Amherst first. Okay. Um, then transferred to Stony Brook. And then I did a post back at Toro College. That's where I ended up getting my math degree and biology degree from. Did you ever compete at the college level, play ball? Nah, okay. nah. So, like, you know, I wasn't as good as them. I was a good basketball player, yeah. a solid basketball player, but I was not as good as them. I injured myself real early, so God doesn't make mistakes. So, in my mind, I thought I was like these kids. So, I'm like, yo, I'm going to keep playing best D2 kid. Yeah. My parents are from Caribbean. They don't really know, you know, like, how to navigate that. So, I just was learning on the fly. So never made it, um, wasn't really, that wasn't a detriment to me. It wasn't like, that's what changed my life in a way. Mm-hmm. But when I hurt myself, it's just like, yo, God was like, yo, go focus on what you're really, really good at, which was academics. But I missed sports so much. I knew I was good at it. My uncle gave me that shot. Mm-hmm. And I went in. So then we're like, yo, I got to get a real job. So um, shout out to Hoop Group, um, Rob Kennedy, um, Chad Babel was there at the time. Who um, group is, uh, is out of New Jersey, right? Yes. They're one of the best camp and tournament businesses in the Northeast and in the country. There's a bunch of them like that, but Hoop Group, Zero Gravity, West Coast Elite. So um, hold on, Jay. You, you come off this trip. Yeah. We went two and two. Yeah. You know, got punched, but this is where you want to be. Yeah. But you, you made the decision, yo, if we're going to be good, we can't charge these families and these kids. Yeah. So you need to get a real basketball job. Yes. And you reached out to Hoop Group. You had connections there? So we had some kids at Hoop Group wanted to go. Hoop Group, you said these camps, elite camp. Yeah. So we had these kids, and they wanted them to come and camp. Um, I remember them, too. Bryce Jones, who's playing really well overseas. Chuck Leroy Flood was New York City basketball player of the year. And New York State, I think he was New York State basketball player of the year, too, at Boys and Girls at the time. Boys and Girls was really, really good. Yes, sir. Yeah. And we had a bunch of those kids. So they're like, yo, we want you to come bring them to camp. So I'm like, yo, we don't got to ride. But listen, if you give me the job, I'll bring them down and I'll work camp as a counselor. Wow. So they're like, all right, cool. They gave me the job. It wasn't a lot of money, like, at all. <laughs> so I went down. Um, but I'm, it enabled you to bring these kids yes. from the city mm-hmm. to these camps. And the camp, the camp was in Redding, Pennsylvania. So our goal was just to get these kids out and to see things that they had never seen before. So we get to camp. Bro, I'm doing dorm duty. I'm living in the dorm. I'm showering in the dorm with the kids. I'm bringing pizza. I'm getting up for early birds. I'm coaching three games a day. I'm refereeing three games a day. I'm doing lunch duty. Hoop group was probably the most phenomenal time of my life because I learned everything from compliance to how to run events to how to actually coach what X's and O's mean. Um, pretty much anything you could think of, Hoop Group taught me. This makes a lot of sense, Jay. Yeah. Because as the executive director of the New York Jayhawks, your job is much more than just coaching. Yes. You yeah. are an entrepreneur, business leader. You are uh, recruiting coaches. Yes. You are uh, training coaches, you know, dealing with parents, marketing. Right. That, that makes sense. Yeah, so... It, it, for me, like I said, God doesn't make mistakes. So each and every step in my life, he put me somewhere that was for me to be better. No matter what the outcome was at that space, it was for me to be better. So um, like I said before, like there's a lot of companies like that. Um, Sean Williams and, and On the Radar in Florida, I mean in, in Atlanta, 
Um, who That's the AU team out of them? No, Sean runs events. Okay, okay. Um, oh, young, like who group? Yes, yes. Young Black Brother runs events, camps, tournaments, clinics, like that, you know, and then um, Zero Gravity with um, Greg Kristoff and Jason and those guys mm -hmm. at the time. Um, then you had um, West Coast Elite with um, Ryan Silver and those guys, like a bunch of big time dudes. Like, so who group was right there with that. So I was able to get my lesson from those people. You know what I'm saying? Like, who group, you can watch Zero Gravity, you can watch, you know, Sean Now, you can watch all of that, and it helps you grow. So that's what we did. You 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 understood that, and I want to spend some time here because this is important. I know a lot of my people are trying to make the transition from a local AAU team to make the jump. You realize, like, if we're going to be good, it's going to be hard to charge these families. Mm -hmm. Who carried that financial load in the beginning? My uncle. So my uncle is, like, I love him to death, man. Like, um, I don't know how much, I, I don't know if I'd be here without him saying, yo, come do this, you know? So he helped us a lot. And, but like I said, we were a, a family-oriented mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And our families were like, yo, let's do a shoot-a-thon. Let's do a raffle. My brother Teddy, he works for UPS, drives trucks, super smart, loves this. And he's like, yo, let's do a raffle. We could, I'll buy some TVs. We'll wow. do a raffle. Like, and then um, we had a raffle for timeshare. We had a bunch of different raffles. Yeah. And then um, that's what we do. But the thing is, like, everything made sense financially because we weren't on planes. When you get on planes, things start to change. Because okay. numbers start to change. Up. Yeah, you know plane, I mean? yeah. So now it's a $15,000 trip as opposed to two vans, which is $1,400 and some hotels. You know, that's manageable. So we had our families. They were phenomenal. My uncle and Teddy, like... They carried us with all these ideas. I was learning too, so it was good. So, you guys, you, you, you're fundraising. Now you're starting to go to tournaments. Do the kids change? Because you said that first weekend, you know, maybe you guys weren't equipped. Do you start to get more attention? Like, what, what happens next? The, the, the attention is cool, but that came from us working really hard. Mm -hmm. Like, we were like, let's just go. We were outside, like, really outside. We would go to games. Like, I wasn't trying to do anything else. We weren't really making a lot of money, but I just felt like this is what God had me ordained to do. So I was going to games. I'm going to PSAL games. Like, I know a lot of different people because I was born in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. right, raised in Queens. Then I went away to military school. My parents moved to Long Island. So then I was able to, when I come home from military school, I would go to Long Island, right? Mm -hmm. So then I would, you know, because of what I was younger as a kid, moving around, we were able to know so many different people and stay in basketball. So you out there recruiting at the PSL games? Yeah, we at PSL games. Carrying the, the, yeah. the, the Jayhawks flag. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like wearing a Jayhawks hoodie and then... Um, at that stage of the, the, the career and the building of the Jayhawks, what's the spiel? What's the selling point? Nothing. <laughs> so there was no selling point. What, the, what it is is, listen, we're good people. We do what we say we're going to do. We say what we do. And we do it like we just were just together and we were diligent, like no matter what. And we were like, hey, we don't need to go and get the five stars, mm -hmm. but there's going to be a bunch of Division One kids and Division Three kids that need somewhere to play. Right. So <clears throat> let's go after those kids, the kids that people are like are not good enough. Right. So you have to literally pay attention and go to games and see like how they fit you and your program. And those are the kids that we were able to get. Which AAU teams are kind of leading the way at that point? 
shit, man. At that point, <laughs> you, you had um, Gauchos was still on, Metro Hawks was still on, um, Riverside, um, New Heights was Adidas mm-hmm. at this time. Um, I don't think we had any Under Armour teams at this time, so it was all Nike and Adidas. This is a very important stage. Like when yeah. you're trying to break through, and you got these juggernauts like Gauchos with Stephon Marbury and them play. This is what's been so impressive about yeah. your 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 rise. What was the reaction from the families and the people as you as you just mentioned? I ain't really having to sell except the fact that we good people. So at first it was weird because like dudes like, well, they ain't gonna be around too long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, at the time, um, they were called. Um, Skin, Team Skin, PSA Cardinals, they were coming up and they had some heavy hitters too. Right. Like, so they were pretty much brand new. So, but they had heavy hitters, man. Like Chris McCullough, um, uh, what's the name, boy name? I forgot his name, but they had everything. In it. Terry Larrier, like, mm-hmm. they they had a bunch like heavy hitters, bro. And they understood because um, they from the prep school world, like highly educated, mm-hmm. and they understood. And then when you take a step back, I remember this day. Um, a program wanted to take us in. Like, we were good. We had some good players, and we were aggressive. Right? Kind of like fly under that umbrella? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I remember this meeting, and I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. My uncle's like, yo, be quiet. And I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. He said, yo, didn't I tell you be quiet? I'm like, all right, bet. So I sit back. You know, we lead a meeting. <laughs> he's just a, like, he's like that, you know? So I'm like, all right, yo, uncle, what are we going to do? He's like, first of all, you got to relax when we in these meetings. I was so, you know, like as a kid, I was so hype and aggressive yeah. to go, like, and I believed in what we were doing. And he's like, listen, we don't got to do that, but we got to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to build this brand that he's successful, super successful? So I was like, well, um, we could just look at all these programs and see what each one of them are doing that's right, but each one of them are doing is wrong. You know what I'm saying? So then you go to New Heights, great organization, academics, community service, all that, yeah. right? Talent, boom, right? But you could see, like, those kids is from a certain spot. Kamani was there. Rame was there. Like, these dudes is from where we from, right? Running that type of program. Right? Coaches so, from the neighborhood. Kamani Young? Yeah. Your coach from the Young? Oh, from the neighborhood. Young, yep, Rame. Who, you know, they, everybody's from the town. They from, you know, they from Brooklyn. You know, they from Queens, left, right. Like, so you watching that? So you watching them like, yo, they could do that. So boom, so you go there. So then you move over to, to, to Gauchos, you know, Metro Hawks, and you're like, yo, what are they doing right or wrong that you want to pull from? Then Team Scan, they were super organized. PSA Candles, they were super, super organized. They knew what they was doing. Like, yo, they was getting talent. They were sending kids to preparatory school. It was academics first, and then the talent. Yo, how we get these kids out of the Bronx, right? Because that's where Scan was based in the Bronx. Then you had New York Lightning with Dana who went to UMass. The year before I got there, two years before I got there, he graduated. So I was still in that remnants. You know, Dana, Shantu, um, Coach Pete, all these dudes, they're from where we're from. And they're running ridiculously high-level programs. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of really good independent programs in the area. And I'm sure I'm leaving out some. But mm-hmm. my goal was to say to you that there were so many good programs in the area that we were able to pick and choose how we wanted to build our identity. Mm-hmm. But look at what they were doing right or wrong. And say that's not what we want to do, but this is what we want to do, mm-hmm. and we took all of that. So if you look at our program, like shout out to all these AU programs, like we're based, we're from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Give me one thing yeah. you 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 saw that was missing in the the landscape, and you felt the Jayhawks could kind of exploit or perhaps be the best at. 
um, academia. Academia. It wasn't missing. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't accentuated. You know what I mean? Um, and that's my thing. Like academics and like truly trying to give these men, uh, young men, a path. Like it's not only Division One. Mm-hmm. It's not only MBA or bus. It's not D1 or bus. Like these Division Three schools, we send a lot. Wesleyan, Hop, uh, Swarthmore, Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. Williams. These are some of the best schools in the country. Without question. They, they call them baby Ivy, but some of them are better <laughs> than these Ivy League schools in yeah. both in both aspects of life. But the Ivy League, for me, was like, all right, cool. So we're the only program, from my understanding, that has, has or has had a kid on every single Ivy League team that's in that league, which is big for us. Like, I like that. I love yeah. that. And I want us to stand on that. Academically, that's what we want our kids. We want to use basketball as the the vehicle but not necessarily the driving force with academia how does the Jayhawks I guess implement that when from my understanding AAU kids are not really with their program that often or it's like two months out the year to some degree so how do you Jayhawks put a academic stamp on these kids so one one correction um, these programs are not quote unquote AAU programs we are we are a a paying member of AAU, which is the Athletic Amateur Union. Okay. But these programs are travel programs and they're sneaker programs or they're independent programs that sometimes will play in AAU-type events. Right. Right? That's the first thing. Um, what was the other part of your question? How did you... Oh, how did we implement academia yeah. throughout the year? Yeah. So we're involved in our kids throughout the year. We go to the schools. We bring them books. We bring them coats. We bring them all that stuff. In the beginning of the year, traditionally, we go to see them before the season goes too crazy, right? When they're in college. You go to see them. You got kids in Connecticut, New Jersey. You you go on yes. the road and see them. Yeah, so one of the reasons that we're so good is our staff is ridiculous. Like Coach, you know, Brian Shea, he'll get up in the car and he'll go see guys. Coach Dante Blades is phenomenal. Like he's a sneaker, sneakerhead. He mm-hmm. played in college at Stony Brook Division One, Two. He'll give them sneakers. He'll go to them, make sure they're okay. Um, you know, Coach Al Shep, who's at Step in That. Um, Coach Styles, Coach Teddy, Coach... Um, Rob, like these guys will literally treat their kid, the kids like they're their own, you know. So, yeah. Those early days, which age group did you start with? We we had two, sixteen and seventeen year. Why did you pick those two age groups? Because my understanding is you got to start with the eighth graders and kind of build them up. So what? At the, by the time my uncle called me, all those kids that he had, they were in those grades. So we were like, fine, let's just stick with those kids in the grades, and that's what we did. I think sometimes these younger programs get a little bit overwhelmed about everything that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Everything. It, you need players. You need coaches. You need finances. You need marketing. You study the landscape, and would you say that the first part was the academia? Is that where you laid your flag for? Like, where did you yes. start? Yeah. So we laid our flag on, like, well, let me take that back. We morphed into that. Mm-hmm. Our original plan was to build men and make sure that these kids had opportunities to see things other than Southside, see things other than Jamaica, Brooklyn, you know, different places like that. That was the original plan. Get them out Mm -hmm. and see stuff that they wouldn't normally see by using basketball. Have some fun, win some games. We were young, so we were just as young as the kids enjoying Mm -hmm. that, right? Then we morphed into, let's get kids from different places so they can meet kids from the inner city Mm -hmm. so now their experiences merge and they could actually learn from each other and make lifetime friendships. Like if you live in 
Syracuse or Albany, and then you from Queens, how often would you have met that young brother? And you're not that different when up there is really bad economically, yeah. as we know. Down here is pretty bad economically, but you wouldn't know that. You'd just be like, oh, it's upstate. They got money. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same kid. It's yeah. just a different space. So then we were like, let's take those kids and put them together. Yeah. Right. Then finally we came to the, yo, let's get to this academic piece. Right. Right. Now we could really show kids if you don't make it in basketball playing, yeah. you can still make it in basketball, being a podcast, being um, a manager, being a coach, being a GM. For me, I, like, I even went to scout school to learn all of these different things in, in Las Vegas. I went two years in a row with Fran Fischilla. How to scout basketball players? Yeah. There's a camp for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, you pay for it. So it's yeah. like really NBA, how to be an NBA scout. But what it did for me was it gave me everything else, how to build programming, how to build a team, and stuff like that. So ultimately, that's how we ended up morphing into what we are, which was the academia and leading with that. We're very good basketball-wise, but we're very good with the type of kids that we want around us. You're really working this craft, aren't you? <laughs> I say you're really working this craft, aren't you? Yeah. Going to camp school? I, I, yeah. A scout school, rather. Yeah. I've, I've never heard about that. That's yeah. pretty impressive. How does focusing on developing young men differ from just focusing on winning games. So that changed for me when I got my my I got my first real real coaching job outside of um, travel basketball with Long Island Lutheran, mm -hmm. where I've been now for ten years. High school, yes. Yeah, top five in the country, all that stuff. Um, we've always been top twenty five, but we changed leagues, so mm -hmm. now we kind of like exploded a little bit. But like, I'm a Lou High man, and and when I say that with all pride and love. Mm -hmm. When I got to Luhai, I was still like rah rah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you gotta coach hard, you gotta clap, you gotta, like, which is cool. And sometimes you gotta do that. What Luhai taught me was take a step back, right? And watch and pay attention, mm -hmm. right? And understand that everybody can't be coached the same way, right? Luhai gave me another understanding of X's and O's, right? And it just made me really realize like how I wanted to do things in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter goes to school there now too, but um, I think that allowed for us to really formulate everything It came full circle. Fully being entrenched in Long Island Lutheran and every day learning how to run a practice, mm -hmm. right? Understanding plays, understanding how to explain why this is happening. Um, so that really formulated and formed me. Mm -hmm. And then obviously my daughter... When she was born, it gave me some, but when she got older and I had to start speaking to her, empathy, I didn't have that before because yeah. I was a brash young man who didn't really care like how you <laughs> felt, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but had, having her and then these young men changed my life more than I think I could have changed theirs, that's, to be honest. That's dope. That's dope. But it, it's just, it's interesting. I had Kenny Pratt Lowe in here. I had Ted hey, Gusses. Yeah. yeah, I had Ted Gusses in here. Now I have Jay David. Uh, some of the most accomplished basketball men in the city, and they speak about developing men. Mm -hmm. And I want younger coaches to understand that is that is different than just focusing on winning games. That shapes your yes. decisions a little bit differently, the quality of people you choose to bring into your program. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's an important thing, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that all of you successful coaches have, have had that focus of developing young men Overwinning games, but ultimately, the beautiful part is if you develop young men, it will lead to yes. you winning games. 
Talk to me about that. When did you feel that, yo, the Jayhawks, like, people are starting to see we, we are a force, we are a problem. When did you feel like your program got to a point where, all right, here we go? Um, I remember the year, and, the, um, and we, we had a, not mismatched jerseys, but we had reversible tops and one color shorts. So okay. I think the shorts was like blue. Right. And then we had reversible tops. Reverse, so this one side was blue, one side was white. And we had hoop group. I forgot the name of the tournament. It was the beginning. Hoop group something. Summer Jam Fest. Okay. And um, on that team was uh, Chris Brady, who ended up going to Monmouth. Um, Chuck Flood, who was New York City Player of the Year. Um, Emil Blackman. Right, who played at um, Half Hollow Hills. They won a bunch of state titles, and he went to Duquesne. Mm-hmm. Bryce Jones went to Murray State, and he's playing overseas. Um, Cody Jenkins, who played for the you know the great Bob Hurley. In New Jersey, okay. He was about 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, um, we had another young man, Fabian from Transit Tech. He was one of the leading scorers in, in PSAO basketball that year. Wow. Um, we had my nephew, Kaylon Lewis. He went to Holy Cross. And... Um, we had a couple other kids. I'm probably um, drawing some blanks on Denzel, who's a big, big, strong kid from Queens High School of Teaching, about six, 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 five, six, six, but a monster. Mm-hmm. So we take oh, and uh, this kid from um, he was from Rhode Island, Vermont. I forgot where K was from. So we put that team together, right? And um, and we go there. Kicking everybody butt, mm-hmm. right? And then we run into actually he's now one of my closest friends in the business, Middlesex Magic. Okay. And Middlesex Magic coach Crotty, God has a ring from the Celtics. Mm. He has a national championship. He's one of the best coaches ever. And we became extremely close. And we played that game. It was a quarterfinal game, mm-hmm. and they voted it the best game of the tournament. They ended up beating us in the buzzer by, in overtime. And they went on and spanked the next team, mm-hmm. and I think lost in the chip, right? And we went on and played, like, I think it was New Heights. And um, we beat in New Heights. We up two. And the kid shoots the ball after the buzzer from, like, bro, I don't even know where he shot it from. Mm-hmm. He shoots it, and um, he makes it. We lose the game. The kids start crying. Yeah, kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we all was like, all right, let's pick up, play this one game tomorrow and get out of here. Mm-hmm. That day, I was like, we here now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, when you're an independent team, you get to play these sneaker teams at that time. Yeah. That's your opportunity to show, like, y'all could do something. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just them. We were beating everyone. We were beating Andy Borman had a team, and they was ridiculous. Like, Andy's at Memphis now. Shout out to him. They were really good. But we were beating teams, and now they like, oh, these guys are good. So we just kept building, mm-hmm. kept building from there, and then um, at that stage, Jay David, yeah. you, you're building this team. Is it hard to keep these players? Nah, nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted them. Nobody thought they were good enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I said, we picked a lot from a lot of different teams. Mm-hmm. A lot of different people. Paul Suba was with Gauchos at the time. His son actually played with our program. Um, Deshaun 
who um, I call him Day Day. He used to be at Bishop Lachlan. He was with us. So we was like these kids was from us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like they from us. So they wasn't going anywhere. Because I know that's a problem. A lot of people run into like once you you get a kid and he start to get some attention, this, this the the big problems come swoop him up. You you want to know something? I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. So you have to be able to service those those young men, right? Mm-hmm. At, at where they're at, yeah. Right, like you have to. Like we've had that happen. Like we've had young men that were super talented and had to finish out their last year with another team because we weren't able to service them. Mm-hmm. But we were right there with those young men, and we're still close with them to this day. Like I don't get upset about stuff like that because I know truly. If there's a young man who could be serviced better somewhere else, just let him go be. That's phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? And you still support him, mm-hmm. but you let him be. But our kids, we were in a space where, like you said, it was heavy. There's a lot of good teams. And they would pick those kids. Yeah. Our kids, we looked at them in a different lens. He's going to be potentially really good. You also have to have an ego that's like, yo, I can get him to that point. Yeah. Right? And I believe that they can do that. The one thing our kids always did was they played ridiculously hard. And even if people thought they weren't as talented as some of these other kids, they made it work. They all went to school, all went for free, but we didn't have that issue at that time. We started having it later. Later on. But not at that time. You got to be able to service them. Yes. You got to look in the mirror and say, yo, I, I need to be providing value to this kid and their family. Yes. That's something we need to always uh, keep in mind. First sneaker deal. Under Armour. Yes. Talk to me about it. So we get a call. Um, shout out to the family. I won't get too much into who it was, but you know who he was. <laughs> I love I love, I love, love him to this day. He's a big homie. Um, so we get the call like, hey, they got a spot. Um, do you want to do it? So we're like, yo, what's the logistics? So we go through the logistics. First time we ever had to read that contract, mm-hmm. sneaker contract, understand allotments, which is your your, your actual gear understanding the financial part, which they give you so you can travel and stuff like that. So... What year is this? Shoot. Damn. Hamadou Diallo was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Mamadou Diallo was a junior. Shit, man. So how many years into the, the Jayhawks program? You said like... Like five. Five. It wasn't that long. It, it was quick. It came quick. How are you feeling about it just was so being- It was so crazy. Kamani Young was at Minnesota. That's how old it was. Mm-hmm. He was at Minnesota. How are you feeling about the just getting that call? How does that feel? It was dope. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, like, sometimes people call you to do things just so they could, you know, say, yo, um, you owe me later. Yeah. I genuinely feel like that wasn't the case. I feel like he's like, yo, they got another, you know, thing. And we had a lot of Queens kids, and, you know. So he's like, I bet. So you're going through that contract. Yeah. So we get there. <laughs> the team was good. We were young. Right? So it's the first time, like, since... Um, the Super Showcase thing, that now we're like, damn, we might be overmatched, but we were good. Mm-hmm. We went two and two that the first trip, the first you know trip or whatever. The next trip, um, I think we ended up going one and three or something like that. So I'm like, damn, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Our team was good. We had a bunch of kids, Division One kids. I'm like, oh, I don't understand this, but I, it's like, yo, you just gotta learn it, understand it, whatever. So we end up um, qualifying. For the finale, um, we lost in the first round to a really, really good um, We Are One team. Like, ridiculously good. Like, James Johnson's the coach there. Like, 
He's won Under Armour and EYBL championships. Wow. He's at Fairfield now. Really good dude. So, um, long story short, um, at the end of that summer, Hamadou is number 11 in the country. All of our juniors are getting offers, and we had a couple of sophomores on that team. So um, This is in the association? Yeah. We had, we, our sophomore backcourt, we started a sophomore backcourt, Hamadou and Jaheim Kwonwa. Amadou is in the NBA right now with the Detroit uh, Pistons. But but the deal, yes. T- yes. tell me. So you get this contract. Yes. You're going through it. Yes. What what are you thinking? Like, yo, this is about to change my life. Are you, what, mm, what, what? It wasn't my life. So that's the one thing that um, I don't have. I, I don't live vicariously through our young men. Right? But I like this is about to change the program and our our um, stature in the area. What I learned at the time was lead with the program brand. Okay. Not the sneaker brand. While you're super thankful, living a life of gratitude in that space, in that fiefdom, because they chose you and those contracts are few and far between. Yes. We led with Jayhawks. That's what I learned was to lead with Jayhawks. Don't lead with the brand because when you lead with the brand, if something happens and now the brand is no longer there, Mm -hmm. how does your program survive? If you've been selling people this whole time that we're sneaker brand X, sneaker brand X, sneaker brand X. So what is your brand? Your brand now is synonymous with sneaker brand X, right? As opposed to saying, yo, I'm just super thankful and blessed that you guys are choosing us. Mm -hmm. Right, and we're going to represent your brand to the utmost ability. If you lead with only that brand, you water down yours, and everybody forgets who you really are. You know, yeah. What What did your your uncle say of the that initial deal? You what was the re- reaction around the city? He didn't want to do it at first, but he's just so much smarter than me. Right, like I said, he there's not too many people in the world that's like him. He's so much smarter than me. He was like, yo, I don't know if we should do this. But I'm like, yo, um, this is a shot, bro. And now, at least if we get that shot, maybe we can get in for the next one if something goes crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's like, I don't know. Give me a day or two. Well, what was his uh, reservations? We didn't have a lot of money in the thing. But I'm like, we don't really have a lot of money anyway. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? But he he's the one that explained to me, yeah, Jay, that's different. We're getting in vans. Now we got to get... Two teams, right? At the time, we had freshmen through um, junior, mm-hmm. right? But now we got to get 16s and 17s on a plane to three different times, mm-hmm. right? So that's about 30 people anywhere from four to $600 a person each time. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's $18,000. One trip. You know what I'm saying? And but but these contracts are supposed to cover this. Why, why wasn't right, there enough money in the deal for it? Because... So here's the thing that people don't talk about. So you'll get a contract and you'll say fully sponsored. In yes. theory, you're fully sponsored, right? Because you get some money and you get some sneaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you get you get some money, you get some gear, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're traveling with two, three teams, some teams may not have all that money mm-hmm. to do that, to complete that piece. So you still have to fundraise. We, we educate our parents in that way too. We tell them the same thing. We still have to raise some money. So you're not always going to have every bit of money that you need 
to travel and do things and run a true 501c3. It's just not possible to do strictly with a sneaker. And there are some programs that do a really good job of it. So that's what he was thinking. But I'm like, well, Uncle, it's a little bit more than what we had anyway, you know, if, if anything. So he's like, cool. I'm calling my aunt, like, yo, you got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. So it was good. So he ended up saying, it's cool, let's go. Because that's what all these programs are after, one of these coveted deals with they, these sneaker brands. They are coveted. And, and, and like I said, um, we're blessed. We're blessed. And with the sneaker deals, many people not, may not know, you then are able to compete on one of their exclusive leagues. Invite-only circuits, yes. Yeah. Nike has EYBL. Yes. Under Armour has the association. Yes. And Adidas has 3SSB. Yes. What was, I guess, the, the high point of that Under Armour era? Just being on the road, man. Like, being on the road. We made so many long-lasting relationships, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the competition. The competition went up a notch. Yeah, and you still learning like who you are. Are you built for this? For a while, we I'm like I don't know. Like you learn, you know all of that. But like the height of it was just the opportunity. You get the opportunity, you go out and you do what you got to do. You say you don't know. You 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 had um, questions if you guys could compete at that level. Nah, nah. My question was never if we could compete at that level. It was actually like, Yo, Jay, can you coach at this level? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like still new. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yo, can you coach at this level? Can you mentor at this level to get through what it is that you need to get through? Mm -hmm. The answer to that was no. At that time, mm -hmm. I wasn't ready. I wasn't fully ready. I was ready to motivate. I was ready to get the talent because that's what I do. I wasn't fully ready to coach at the highest level and mentor them through the difficulties that they needed. And that group also taught me a whole new lesson as well. So what are you doing as you come to this realization and you middle you in the middle of uh, leading this program? What do you do to, I guess, mend that or fix it? So there was nothing really to fix. Me and the kids was good. It was just me on like, you know, personally like, yo, I gotta be better. I gained weight. Like um, I just went back to my faith, you know, and just was like, yo, how do I be better for these young men, mm -hmm. right? Um, and what it did was <clears throat> to fast forward a bit. I know I'm a took the deal. Yeah. So we didn't have a deal, right? Hamadouk subsequently went to um, Renz, and we talked through that too, right before he did it. He subsequently went through Renz. Our relationship stayed the same through the years. My research, they said you you, t you took him to the Renz. Yeah, we so we had that. Hami and I, his brother was in the program. I got to shout out Rob Diaz. So Rob, the first kid I ever had to recruit was Bubakar. That's, um, we call him Booby. That's Hami's older brother. Okay. And Booby was really good. You know, slow, but he was good. Like, we call him slow-mo. He was good. He got where he got to him, and he carried this confidence with him. All of, the, all of his brothers have the same thing. So Rob was like, yo, I'm messing with it. Like, you know, Rob, Rob is one of the people who was like, no, you're not going to be loud like those people. You ain't going to be posting crazy on social media. You're not doing none of that. Rob is saying that to the Diallo kids? To me. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not doing that. So, but he was part of us. He was with us, like big time with us. So, um, that's how we ended up getting those kids. So, um, we just ended up being really close. You know what I'm saying? Like he was around since eighth grade. We ended up being really close. Like we fight like brothers. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like I felt like that group just taught me so much because like we were all so close. Like as young men, I think I was like, 
I want to say 32, 33 at the time, right? So relatively speaking, in the game, I was really young. I was an older young, you know, mm -hmm. but like in this game, I was young. I didn't, you know, for us, it's like you got to, you have a, a limited amount of time to figure out who you are. Yes, sir. If you don't, then you got to try to be self-evaluating through that period. And that's what I was doing. I was growing and learning who I was while I was growing with them. Mm -hmm. So that's why they were so impactful to me. And I would do anything for any of those young men to this day. Because without them, I'm probably still loud. Like, I'm sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, like, you know, Jay, we, I don't learn this way. What's that? What? The kids. Like, yo, okay. Jay, I don't learn this way. Maybe this kid might, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so it allowed for me to get that. So, but me and Ami was really, really close. Mama do all of us. We were inseparable. So when that came, it hurt, but I knew he had to do that. He was number 11 at the time. I think he ended up graduating like 9 or 10 or whatever it was. And he got a, everything he wanted, he got. So that move for him was perfect because everything he wanted made sense and he got it right there. Everything he wanted as far as college scholarship? And well, he had scholarship right. offers, but like, and he was number 11 with us. Mm -hmm. At the time, though, when he went there, his profile jumped. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it jumped. He was always really good. Right. But now he's like, yo, that's Hami. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody looking at him like, yo, that's Hami. Jay David, when I heard that part of your story, you know, you had a sponsored program in the Jayhawks. You lose the Under Armour deal. And you have this talented kid, Hami Diallo. Mm. And you made the decision to take him to another program who may be able to service him a little bit better at that time because yeah. they were still sponsored. That speaks volumes about who you are as a man. What was that conversation like with Hami? How tough was that decision? We were we were in the car, actually. My, my brother Teddy got like a Winnebago type click. <laughs> like he got this car. So we get in the car, got TVs in it, big comfortable ass chairs. So we go into, um, I'm actually coaching in the game. Um, it was a game that we used to do or they used to do for Coach Kamani Young's family and mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm coaching the game. So he's like, yo, what you want me to do, bro? Like, this is difficult. Like, I just want to play and win. That's I'm like, yo, bro, I understand. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it was. So we would, like, try. At the time, we didn't know what was happening. So I'm answering him in, like, half answers. Like, yo, bro, I understand, but I don't know what they're doing yet. Blah, 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 blah. So it kind of just played itself out the way it had to. We always talked about it. And then his decision was Durant's. You know what I mean? Because everybody wanted him. So... Um, a bunch of the teams called and was like, yo, um, you know, we already not have your deal no more. Can we go talk to Hami? I'm like, Hami's his own man. You could, you know, like he'll, we'll talk, but he's his own man and he'll make his decision or whatever like that. So he went, when he went and they posted it online, I remember retweeting it, like, yo, go get it. Like he would do stuff where, at the time we're not under armor, we're like Adidas Silver and I'll explain that mm -hmm. later, but like we're still retweeting him, still bigging him up because like it wasn't Jayhawks. It was family, you know what I'm saying? Family. So, yeah, it wasn't Jayhawks, it was family. So, um, like I said, he taught me a lot about who I am, and we've always been super close. And everybody, from Jeff to Amadou to Booby, all his, like his little brother, everybody, like there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for them. For the audience, let me reiterate. Jayhawks, grinding, grinding to get a sneaker deal. You get it. You got a player that's ranked number 11. The deal is taken away. And this talent that you had goes on to another program. Mm -hmm. And you helped to facilitate that. You were on board with that. You're still supporting the kid. Like, that speaks volumes about who you are, son. Like, for real. Thank you. Do we know why? Well, you know, why did you lose the Unarmed deal? 
I don't know. Um, I mean, we weren't great. We were sub 500. We were good. But it was more so of like, I think, could they do it again and bring in, and, and Hami was so good. And the thought process was, could they get a team around him that would end up being representative of who he was? Right. Right? Um, it was a business decision. They made a business decision. Um, and I just think that, I don't think that Hami would have went and played with another an armor team because of our relationship. Right. And honestly, at the time, the Nike joint was good. And the Rens was doing what they was doing. That team was good. Joe, um, they had Jose Alvarado, they had Jordan Ward, they had Hami. All three of them is in the NBA now. How tough was that that period for you? Talk talk to me about the Jayhawks. It wasn't after Under Armour. It wasn't at all. So, like I told you, everything happens for a reason. We actually ended up playing the Rens in Hami's junior year. I wasn't there, right? But we actually ended up playing the Rens Hamadou's junior year, and it was a ridiculously high level game. I still got clips of it. We lost to them at the buzzer too, mm-hmm. or whatever. And, like, it's just always been love. But, like, the transition wasn't hard. So what we ended up doing was when they took the deal, we had made so many good connections while we had the deal. Adidas had the second circuit that they were just starting to fly. So we ended up getting on that. So we just told the truth. How soon after? Right after. Like, they cut us in December. We got the thing, like, February. So we just told the truth. Like, yo, we're Adidas Silver. We do not have a contract. We're paying for everything, right? And this is what it is. Do you want to rock with us or not? Here's the, the craziest thing about that. All it did was make us work harder. Mm. Now, we worked harder with an education. That year with Under Armour was an education on how to maneuver, how to move, how to understand people in that world, in that fiefdom, in the sneaker business. Mm-hmm. Without that, we may not have gotten to this Adidas piece that we were at. We needed that. And, and, and I always say, for our growth, it probably would have been better if, if, if there were people that didn't want us to succeed. I'm not saying they were. If there were people that didn't want us to succeed, the worst thing you could have did was let us in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because now we understand it. And if you didn't want us to succeed, you probably should have just left us alone because then we would have never understood what that side was. Mm-hmm. We would have been told about it, but we would have never understood what the side of that world was. So all it did was say, okay, Yohami's gone, right? We need to go get a brand new team. So what ends up happening is Jaheim comes back. He led the charge. A lot Jaheim, of them, last name, please. Jaheim Cornwall. Okay. Uh, played at uh, Francis Lewis and then went to Putnam Science. Um, he was really, really good. Went to Gardner-Webb, all league, all everything. But he led the charge. He was in front. I'm not going nowhere. I'm with you. Boom. Then we had um, CJ Kelly. A bunch of our kids from 16, you move up to 17. You. Obi Toppin was with the Knicks. He was on that team. Obi Toppin is a Jayhawk? Yeah, Obi Toppin. Hold on, I missed this in my, my research. Yeah. So what happened was Obi left because I coached 16s that year. And then my brother and my uncle coached 17s. And, um, and, and it just didn't work out because Obi was a potential base but he had a lot of good potential and when we recruited him I recruited him so he the relationship was with, with he and I mm-hmm. so he felt that I should have been coaching him so that was cool so he went relaxed and he went to prep school and he blew up and became what he is now mm-hmm. we were still he, him and my daughter have the same birthday every once in a while we'll go to the games we were still really close when he was at Dayton so um, the team was was solid they won a bunch of games, won the silver, whatever. 
they didn't give us a contract. Adidas didn't? Nah, at the end. But, like I said, or we just said, okay, cool, we're just going to keep working. The very next year, everything took off. Every single thing took off. Our after, after you won, yeah. you won Adidas Silver, mm-hmm. and they didn't give you the deal. Mm-hmm. Frustration? No. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So my frustration was, like, yo, don't be a, don't, don't be. I had to always learn how to control myself. So, the gentleman was the same gentleman who gave us the silver spot. Right. So I couldn't be too mad at him because he called me. He was like, yo, I don't got a spot for you. At the time, we had another team, Juice, and they were the incumbent. They were the Adidas incumbent. So I understood it, you know, because Tiny's been around for a long time. Juice's been around for a long time. They're very, very good. He's synonymous with New York City, mm-hmm. PSAL, Brooklyn basketball at that time. So they got the slot. Exactly. Okay. So I wasn't mad. So I'm like, all right, bet. I don't want nothing. I don't want anything. You're going to send us sneakers? Cool. So... <laughs> We go and we get agnostic uniforms. Like, so so we're playing. No on the, labels. No labels. We're playing on the circuit with agnostic uniforms and Adidas sneakers. We started 7 1, 6 7, 6 8, 6 8, and 6 3. Mm-hmm. That's what we started. Ran through it. Like, ran through it. And I remember this vividly because they gave another New York team a deal that same time mm-hmm. right after they told us no he calls me and I to this day that's why I, I never like shit on certain things so he calls me he goes yo Jay listen I know I told you I don't got a spot these say they saying they got these kids right they were a bunch of ranked kids so well, I'm who's, who's saying that this team the other team okay. they gave a deal so we're gonna put them on okay okay or whatever all right cool <laughs> I said thank you I respect it no problem I'll see you at the trip we get off the plane Average 30 piece. Mm. At this time, they changed silver to invite only. <clears throat> so it's some of the best independent teams and I guess teams that have moved down, whatever. We 30 piece and everything and everybody moving. Mm. Everything and everybody moving. We do that throughout April. We won every single championship. Now, 17s won, 16s won, and then 15s was playing up at the time, and I'll get to them later. So then uh, in May, we're playing in another regional. So now we get to play their sneaker-sponsored team. As right? a select. As a silver uh, invite-only right. team. Body bag. Y'all ain't beating them sneaker-sponsored teams. Bro, body bag. It was like we was beating everybody. We didn't lose again to New World. Somebody in Adidas got to be on the side like somebody made a mistake. <laughs> right? Right? So, so, so we punching everything. Right? So you're like, I bet. So now... <laughs> Now we go, they move us up into like the thing and you get an invite to play in their bracket for the championship. We lost in the Sweet 16 to Brookwood Elite by three. We played a couple teams right before Brookwood Elite, shout out to them. They super, super good. A lot of Haitians there, so a lot of love. But um, we end up, we played two teams before that, punched them too, like bad, Mm -hmm. like their sponsor teams. Mm -hmm. Then we got to Brookwood, Brookwood beats us. That's a success for us. So then by that time, we were like, yo, we're going to get a deal. And then all the stuff happened with, with the, um, the, the scandal or whatever it was. So we mm-hmm. had to wait. And we still ended up getting a deal. Um, we had a lot of... Um, why, why did you have to wait? Adidas just... Because just, there was so much change at the top. Yeah. But yeah. We, we had a lot of people at the time that was um, supportive of us. Um, 
regardless of you know relationships and different things like that, you always got to be thankful to people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Compton Magic did a you know they were supportive. Um, Atope Udoma. Um, they were supportive of you, like they you're sending um, love yeah, to your program. Yeah, they were supportive. Um, Julio at, at Celtics was supportive. We had some other people that was on the inside that was supportive. So um, it was good. Um, and they called us and they offered us the deal with money and gear. And I was super excited. And then that's, you know, took off. You turned, your uncle said, this is the one I was talking about? Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it, at that time, he had already given me the program. Okay. He, he gave me the program by then. Yeah. You in the select league. Um, when you're in the select league, do you have to be exclusive to Adidas? I mean, you got you can play the other tournaments just like okay. you can now. But like in in regards to gear and stuff, yeah. I could wear whatever I want. I just and and we could wear whatever we wanted. We just couldn't play in anything outside of Adidas sneakers when we went. It just we had to wear either agnostic or Adidas stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Did you ever get any attention from Nike? Mm-mm. Did ever did Under Armour ever circle back? No, Anarma is not. We, we're still very close with them, but they haven't circled okay. back. Um, Nike was. Nike comes to you. You don't go to Nike, right? <laughs> so um, at that time, you don't go to Nike. Nike comes to you. But at that time, Nike's not like they kept their teams. They yeah. want, most yeah. of the teams that are with Nike now have been, with, been Nike. with Nike. Yeah. So tell me about this Adidas deal, the money, the gear. How you feeling when you approach with this? So now we feeling good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, but. You the learned work, all these lessons from Under Armour? Yeah, we feeling good. But the work had already started right before we got the actual deal. Mm-hmm. So we had built these teams and backlogged them with talent, like a lot of it. And so all the kids would stay. we just add one or two pieces or whatever. Um, and I can't remember our very first year, but our very first year on Adidas, our 15U and our 16U Barely lost a game. I think mm-hmm. lost like one game for you know for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and then that kept going. So those younger groups carried us through that. So we were always very very good once we got to the Adidas thing. But we were very good in our way. How long? How long is it? How long have you had the Adidas deal now? I want to say five, maybe six. Five years, long five, time. Maybe six, yeah. Long time. Yeah. And this, how did you use that initial deal to transform the program? So what it did was it let us do more in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and that was big. And like I said, we take stuff from different programs. I thought New Heights did a good job there. I thought Compton did a good job there. Your PSA Cardinals had already been doing it. Um, and shout out to everybody else that does it. But I thought those those programs stuck out. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were like, yo, we're New York's team now. So we were able to do a lot for the community. We do Jayhawks Day. We give kids jerseys, books. We'd invite people that work in basketball but aren't playing basketball. Um, we'd have clinics for those young kids. Um, it changed everything, um, in particularly during COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about running the program, a few things you, you've mentioned already. Identifying coaches. Talk to me about that process because I think executive directors at times feel overwhelmed yo bro I can't do everything Mm. you know but it is your business you know and you want it to be successful and nine times out of ten nobody's going to do it like you Mm. so talk to me about that process identifying coaches evaluating them 
hot trusting them to carry your, your 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 company's name? Everyone that coaches in our program, we all have a relationship with. No one gets paid. Everyone's volunteer. It's all love. Um, so we've been fortunate because we have people that want to be here, not for anything else, but because they want to be here. The flip side of it is you want guys to come and leave. So because in our program, guys come and leave and go to college, mm -hmm. we always have to fill that. Yeah. You know? So um, in terms of picking college, like coaches, they just have to stand for what we stand for. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I just want somebody who's going to be able to build like we build. If you're here just for another summer check, this is probably not the program for you. Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to be able to provide um, that love and support that each one of those young men need? And that's probably the first thing. Then the second thing is coaching, you know, um, and your commitment level. So we've been fortunate to have some really high-level and high, highly committed people who believe in the vision and the program. And it also helps them because, like I said, they move on to college. How do you go about evaluating them? Have you ever had to let someone go? Uh, one time. It wasn't really goes like we just got to separate our own two ways. And I, um, I just think that sometimes we reach a point where we don't want someone else telling us what to do. Right? Like we feel like we know everything or we know what we know and we want to go try what we know, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just wasn't necessarily what we needed for us. Mm -hmm. So we just, you know, split ways. But um, letting people go is difficult for me because I want everyone to succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you watch, like, game film and give them pointers after a game? So <laughs> I, I remember I used to be, like, so, like, all over, guys. Like I'm sure. Micro, it's your business. Micromanaging yeah. and stuff. And then uh, my brother and I had an argument day. He was like, yo, bro, you can't keep doing that. You're either going to give it to us and get out the way, or you're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, bet. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll give you my thoughts before and after. Because if I give you whatever I give you before, and you want to completely go after that, against it, that's, you know, whatever. But So now I just give my thoughts before and after. If they ask me to, you know, I'll sit there. But each one of our coaches are more than capable of doing their own thing. And if they wanted to, running their own program. Like, we have seven executive directors like that's how good each one of them are wow. yeah. Brian Shea is a friend of mine what do yeah. you really think about him it's just you and us you keep it between you and us. Yeah. What, what do you really think about Brian Shea Brian is my guy man um, he cares so much and sometimes because he cares so much it comes across like too much yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying but like he's honestly salt to the earth mm -hmm. like legitimately salt to the earth he works really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. Essentially, he's running the program at this time now. I'm just passing on stuff, and he's, you know, um, making sure that everything is done the way it's supposed to be done, and staying on me to make sure it's on time. Wow. Um, he's phenomenal with the kids. Um, we had a Zoom yesterday with a young man, and you know, he just like very transparent type yeah. Zoom, you know. Um, and he was on the call, and you know, he expressed his side. Kid expressed his side. Mom expressed her side. Everybody good. Kumbaya. We out. Um, I trust him more than I trust a lot of people, but he's 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 phenomenal, man. He's That's a great amazing. X and O coach. Um, hey B, if you watch this, I'm better than you defensively, <laughs> but offensively there are very few minds like his. Mm -hmm. He's really good. Brian Shea played college basketball at Brooklyn College. You know, um, I played at York. That's why our relationship goes back to competing, and he does do uh, a great job. Another person you had in your ranks for a while, T.J. Tibbs. 
Yeah, high I, level. I competed against Tibbs when he was at Staten Island. Yeah. He's going to tell me that he busts your behind, by the way. I think we won and won. Yeah. He's just going to, I just want you to know. Oh, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I think we won and won. We got to yeah. do the tiebreaker for that one. T uh -huh. So we had TJ, we had Kurt. Um, he was with us. Um, Jonathan Blunt, who was at St. Francis, Brooklyn, was with mm -hmm. us. Andrew Metz, my little brother, he's at Maris. Um, so we have two in D2, a couple more in D2, and then a couple of D1, and then obviously Brian and some guys. So, yeah. Do you have a home gym? So we used to be in Boys and Girls Club. We're now with uh, Coach B at um, St. Thomas Aquinas in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. That's where we practice at now. So Boys and Girls Club was our, our home. Where? On Atlantic Avenue. Oh, in Brooklyn? In, no, Atlantic and Queens. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's where we were. Because I look at that big old facility, New Heights, just yeah, built. it's beautiful, yeah. And some people become intimidated. Like, yo, bro, how are we going to compete? Like, how are so, we going to compete with that? So that was another thing that separates us, too. We don't try to compete with everybody else. Everybody's really good in their own lane. That gym is phenomenal. We own an event management company. We'll probably use the gym you know, to do some <laughs> stuff, too. But, like... Um, that gym is phenomenal. It's great for the community. It's right there, right off of the, the Pennsylvania. I'm not Pennsylvania. Um, Eastern Parkway. So you can get there. You know, that gym is phenomenal. They do a great job. We don't watch other people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we put down a new floor somewhere, get a couple offices, and have a one-court facility as long as it's for us and everybody wants to use it. So um, that doesn't scare us much, um, but they do, do, do a phenomenal job. Phenomenal, phenomenal job with their gym. Mm -hmm. Luha basketball. Home. That's home. You are an assistant coach. Yes. At Luha. Yes. Y'all just won a state championship? Yes, sir. You had a big time acquisition in the middle of the year? Cayenne? Yeah. Anthony? Yeah. Did he end up suiting up for you? Cayenne, he came after the deadline. He can't play. We, we're still, we're part of the New York State um, Federation, so we have to follow their rules. So he came after that, and he can't play once he came after that. Coach, a midseason acquisition in high school? <laughs> a lot of people had opinions on that. Like, yeah, it happens all the time. I reached out to one of my guys. I said, yo, why did that happen? And they was like, oh, he he probably was unhappy about what happened at his previous school. I don't know. Um, those guys, Joe and Chrysler King, I have a problem. They do a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. Like, ridiculous. They're one of the best teams in the country year in and year out. Shoot, they're New York City royalty. He's won a lot of games in that league. Mm -hmm. Like, People got to give him more credit than what they give him. Like, he's he's really, really, really good. So I don't I, – I wasn't part of that in the beginning. So I don't know what happened there, and I never asked. It's not my thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. With the AAU scene, and we see some of the offspring of some of our biggest basketball stars now navigating it, and people believe there's pressures behind the scenes – from some of these individuals. Bronny, you know, you see his son playing McDonald's All-American and people question, like, should he have been there? What influence his father had? Is that a real thing on the grassroots circus, the politics behind it? We don't deal with it. I will say that people are way too hard on Bronny. He may not be like his father, but homeboy's nice. He's nice, for sure. Like, he's nice, like, for real. Like, you can't, he's a legitimate top 100 player. You know how many people play basketball? Yeah, that's no, that's legit. You know so like they're just judging him based on his fault, but he's nice. Um, Carbello hasn't given us any of that. Mm -hmm. Like he, like yo, you got my son, I'm out the way. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? He hasn't given us any of that. And then quite frankly, our our travel basketball program, we don't deal with that. No, at all. no, not one bit. They're like, 
you once you give your son to us, we go through a thorough plan with you, and then there is no like you're yelling in the stands and coaching him, and you just you can go like we're good. Because you you got these helicopter parents, you know they they gonna pull their kid if they're not playing ten to mm-hmm. uh, a certain amount of minutes, mm-hmm. like that's a real thing it is on very, the circuit, Jay. It's very real. It is very real. I mean, but. Well, my honest opinion. Honest answer, that's why we here. Go for it. We're good. If that's what you feel you have to do, we're good. We just ask for transparency on both ends. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a parent yesterday about what I think you know should happen for his kid in school and different things like that in the climate. It was a very good conversation. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do with that advice after is on you. But you know, um, in terms of like, listen, I'm a father, and you want your kids to be successful. Right, and you want to push them as best as you can. My daughter plays vo- uh, softball. She's eighth grade on varsity. Mm-hmm. They lost yesterday. She didn't play. She came home. She was crying. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't play, um, and we lost. And I probably could have helped because she does hit well. She needs to learn how to catch a little bit. Right. She does hit the ball well. But it's varsity softball, so yeah. she she's in eighth grade. She's fourteen. So I'm like, you know, you go, you have that conversation. The first time it happened. I told you, go talk to coach. I'm not going to talk to coach. You go talk to coach. Wow. That's it. She said she went to speak to him. He told her, you're young, relax, your time's coming. But she's frustrated. She got to learn it. I just wish that our us as parents would allow these young men to go through the difficulties of what actually these sports are. Because usually you have 10 to 12 kids that are the best mm-hmm. wherever they're at. Right. Right. If you want your son to excel in a certain space, it may not necessarily be this space for you. Like, you may need something a little lower mm-hmm. if that's what you want. If you want him to only get a certain amount of minutes and you want him to get particular things, it's okay to go a little lower in terms of competition, even college, mm-hmm. right? The problem is we run into situations where we want to say, I sent a kid to Kentucky or Duke, right? right? As opposed to saying, well... I have tons of kids in Manhattan, Iona, and, you know, St. Peter's, you know, these schools, like really good schools that are doing really well. They're going to play after college. They're going to get some money. They're going to get a degree for free. They're they're coming in with a leg up. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can't get that message across to parents. And if they decide to leave, they have to leave. You pray for them and you pray for the young man. Hopefully a right situation comes about. But I don't get into like... It happened this year. Before the season started, we had a kid really good. Like, hey, Jay, went down. I wasn't here. I was in Africa. He was like, hey, Jay, went down. So this kid, that kid, hey, we're going to go do something else. Yo, my man, no problem. Yo, I'll see you when I get back. The parent came to you and said that? No, I cleared it. Oh, I said, yo, I'll see you when I get back. Uh-huh. Cool. You you know, you felt you have a better situation? I'm cool with that. But I'm, what we're not going to let you do is beat up our coaches because mm-hmm. you won't let them coach your son. And now the son becomes uncoachable because you're giving him something completely different from the coach. All my messages to parents is like, yo, let them be a little bit. And whatever those issues that you have with the coach, you don't talk about them around the young man. You talk about them directly to the coach. Yeah. So y'all could come to a conclusion, be it, yo, I got to stay or be, I got to leave, you know? So yeah, we don't, we don't have that problem. That's crazy, man. Cause yo, you hear kind of, 
the the AU circuit gets a bad rap sometimes. You know, like yeah, parents are running things. They taking the kid from this place to that place if they don't get what they want. You keep your program clear of that. Yeah, and there's a flip side to that. Go for it. That narrative that people that people make or have about parents moving their kids from here to here. Yeah, it has some truth to it. But there's also when do we look at ourselves mm-hmm. and say, yo. If this parent truly believes when they came in that this was a good fit for their son, Mm -hmm. they get to you and things change a little bit. It's not exactly what you say to them, right? Yeah. It's not always the parents Mm -hmm. or the kid. It's us too. Yes, sir. We can't be upset if they're like, well, you said you were doing something. You did something else. I'm taking my son, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to another program that may fit us better at this present moment. That's part of it too. Yeah. There's, it's, we have to take accountability and look in the mirror. It's not always the parents. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because that's what happened. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not gonna tell you I agree with everything LeVar Ball says or does, but he loves his kids. Yes, sir. And he's a present black man in his kid's life. Mm-hmm. Too often, people tell us that that's not true. We don't, we don't have dads, it's yeah. just a mom, right? We don't have both parents. It's, that's that's a fallacy. That's not real. That's not reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, we have to at some point look at ourselves and say, what are we doing wrong, right, that might cause these parents to jump around? Mm-hmm. Some of them do jump around. Yeah. But if you go into it with a real conversation, mm-hmm. it's less likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think people need to look in the mirror, too. If a, if a family and a kid leaves the Jayhawks... Is the door open for them to come back, or is that it? <laughs> um, it depends on the situation. If they say, yo, Jay, we not getting enough playing time, we out, and then they go somewhere else and yeah. it doesn't work out the way they want it, can they come back? Depends if that spot is filled or not. Mm-hmm. Now, if the spot is filled, no, you can't come back. If the now, spot is available, though, but there's the no grudge, is, there's no... Pr- I don't have a grudge, and we could always speak. So this has happened before. Right? Tell me about we, it. We could always speak. Um, and it's when that happens, it's usually not the young man that you want to speak to. You want to speak to the parent mm-hmm. first and then the young man together with the parent. Um, you would ask, like, what was your thought process and why you left the first time if you didn't have a full-on detailed conversation? What was the thought process before you left? Why did you leave this AU program that you went to? Mm-hmm. Why are you leaving them now? Right. And then once you have that conversation, you're going to end up eventually figuring out if you want them back in your program or not. Mm-hmm. And it won't be the student. The student is always welcome back. The majority of time, people leave not because of the kid. Mm-hmm. They leave because of someone else. So when they leave because of that someone else, that someone else has to be able to conform to what and who we are as a program. If they can't during that conversation, then the answer is no, they can't come back. Mm-hmm. You mentioned LeVar Ball talking about parenting. It's my understanding that you are indeed a single father? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my daughter lives with me. Her mother's here. Her mother's around. She does a great job. But Juliana lives with me. Yeah. This is a rarity, Mr. J. David. Yeah. Tell me about it. I don't know. I just think she was growing and, you know, going through her little emotions and stuff as a young lady. And um, her mother was in school, too. She's um, a nurse practitioner now. Um, and I'm like, yo, let me take her. Wow. You know, I'm like, let me have her. Let me get her. 
So she came. At first, it started like, she was like, I just want to stay here, daddy, or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. And I called, you know, Michelle, like, hey, can she stay? Yeah, yeah no problem. Then she was like, um, COVID came, mm-hmm. right before COVID came. She was like, yeah, daddy, I just want to stay here, you know, for to go to school. All right, cool, no problem. So right before COVID came, she moved in and she went to a regular school right by my house. I lived in Howard Beach at the time. And we didn't like it. Um, we didn't like the public school system. Put it back in private schools. So we ended up, it just became very difficult, but her mother was cool with it, you know? Um, and like I said, she's still here, she still sees Julie. She's a phenomenal mother, phenomenal human being. No, nothing against it. It's just that having my daughter yeah. was like, yo, I want to be with my kid. And I want to help grow grow her the right way. You know, I want to talk to her about boys. I want to talk to her about um, sex. Or I want to talk to her about sports. I want to talk to her about money. Mm-hmm. I just want to be in her life, period. Doesn't matter. And um, for a long time, I didn't take college jobs. I didn't take any other prep school jobs. I didn't do anything because right. she, she was a priority. Yes, sir. So um, that's my baby. Her name is Juliana Elizabeth. She's 14 years old. She's absolutely gorgeous, super smart. Um... And I'm thankful that her mother let her be with me. And I'm thankful that God gave me the strength to be able to do it because it's hard, bro. I'm sure. You got <laughs> 10 full-time jobs, Jay yeah, David. Yeah. And then on top of that, you are a single father. Yeah. But it's great. You got a support system on a mom, like when you travel and different things. Yeah. So my, my dad's retired. Mm-hmm. So when he's not away, he's here. So she'll go there. Her mother and I, like, speak, you know. So she's um she's good, man. She's She's good. I was going through your social media. I ain't going front, Jay David. Uh, something you posted the other day, I, I needed that. I was just doing research for the podcast, yeah. but I, I, I needed that. I think this was fix your crown, King. Your yeah. mistakes don't make you less of a man. Yeah. Yo, that was on time, my brother. I need, I needed yeah. that one. Yeah. And you, you've talked about that balancing act. You was alive. Why you had to learn different lessons. Um, Talk to me about this quote. Why why'd you post it that day? So, um, <laughs> this is the first time that um, I've ever spoken about this per- publicly. Oh. Um, last year, I lost my grandmother in January. And then we lost a colleague who we were really close with at Luhai, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he died. Um, his name is Brandon. Great dude, man. Lit up the room. A little bit after that, I lost one of my closest friends, Sean Hicks. And I was in, I was full-on depressed last year. Um, like, just wasn't making right decisions. Um, I gained weight, um, lost some relationships because I was in that space. But no one ever really asked you, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, there were two people who were extremely instrumental in me just trying to get through that. Isaiah Davis, who's with Team New England. Um, Terrence Munch-Williams, um, who's with PSA Cardinals. We'll call every day. You okay? You good? And I'll just be like, yeah, I'm good, bro. But my level of work wasn't good. My quality of um, nurturing relationships wasn't good. Um, I let things go that I wouldn't normally let go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, my decision-making was quick and brash, right? Um, I just was, for the, this is the first time I've ever said it probably I was depressed. Wow. And I didn't know how to get through that. I'd call my mom. Um, 
we'd talk, we'd pray, it wouldn't work, you know? Um, and I was just making poor decisions, right? So ultimately, that went on, happened in January um, of, uh, this is 23, so 22. So that went on all the way until November of this year. I was in full on, I was a functioning depressed person. Wow. Right? I had surgery on my elbow, messing around with my young boy GW. Um, ball pop loose, we go to chase it, mm. puts his arm on me, I fall. I had messed it up before, I had to have the surgery again, right? So um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. So what happened was I was masking it by going to the gym, going out. Like that's how I was masking. Yeah. But the surgery forced me to sit still. Sit still, yep. And um, and I started writing how I felt. What made you lead to this writing it down? I, I couldn't ride my Peloton. I couldn't lift no weights. Wow. I couldn't do anything. So the only thing I could go back to was something I've always loved, which was reading and writing. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I started writing down everything, writing down how I felt, um, writing down the relationships that were not going to be able to be fixed, why those relationships failed, um, looking up and being like, well, this person took advantage of me through this and I allowed that. Mm -hmm. I can't allow that anymore. While our program was good, it wasn't the way that it should have been. Mm -hmm. It was good because of Brian, Dante, all these guys making sure that it was supposed to be where it was. I was just there, literally. Isaiah, because he was part of it at the time. So um, after I finally wrote it down, I actually wrote down part of it. It's on the, um, on my Instagram. I posted it there purposely so I could continuously see it. And um, I wrote it down. And what it did was it just freed me a little bit. Okay. Um, emotionally, it freed me. Um, I got back to church. I have a spiritual advisor. His name is Louis Varis. Um, everybody knows Lou. Um, he's been around basketball for a long time. I go to church with him every Wednesday now. Um, he'll check in. He'll send me some spiritual stuff. Then I started reading the Bible again, praying with my moms again. Um, got back in the gym. I'm down like 215. I walk around 240, but I was like, I don't want to walk back that anymore. <laughs> so I got down like 215. Um, and then I, I got up, and one day I was like, yo, let's go. Let's get back? Yeah, let's just go to work. Let's just go to work. And then I inundated myself with work at Luhai, um, our event company, some different things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I, I started going to therapy, started going to church, and I became more understanding of people. I became more understanding of myself. Um, and I, I walk with those people, you know, they passed away and stuff, but I walk with them and stuff like that. And I, my grandmother prepared me to be who I am currently mm -hmm. right now. Um, you know, one of the other people that was really good for me was Steve. Steve Maciel, he was a head coach of Manhattan. You know, we grew up together, known him for a long time. He watched my daughter when I needed. Mm -hmm. It was just different, you know what I'm saying? So um, people pulled me out. Then Lord was like, yo, here, you can rebuild yourself. So when I saw that, I thought about myself because I was like, you made a lot of mistakes. Yeah but you still have a ridiculous amount of support mm -hmm. and people love you and you give and you lead with love and it's okay to make mistakes. It doesn't change who you are. You know, there's some things that you can't go back to. That's fine. But you're still, you know, a God fearing man. You're still Bebet's baby mm -hmm. and you're still that, that person. So that's what that was when I saw that.
Well, that's phenomenal, Jay. Um, uh, thank you for sharing. You know, with this podcast, I was looking forward to speaking to Jay David, the executive director of the New York Jayhawks, but I'm, I was also interested in speaking with Jay David, the black entrepreneur. Thank you. That is not easy out here. You know, I'm starting to build events. I got my podcast. I got an event coming up May 6th with a nice. called My City Alumni Classic with alumni basketball players from some of the D3 colleges. Nice. You know, so like the best Brooklyn College athletes versus the best Lehman College. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. Give us, yeah, kind of like TBT for D2. Yeah, let yeah. us come back. Uh, relive the glory days. Right. And it's not easy. No. I make mistakes along the way. Yeah. I piss a few people off. I'm like... What is it like wearing the crown and the responsibility? You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody looking at you, counting on you. How challenging is that? It's very... Um, it's high anxiety, too, because... Oh, je- high What? Yeah, yeah. It's Go high for anxiety, it. too. It's a highway act. Yeah, you're trying to... You're trying to do everything the right way. You're trying to accommodate everybody, trying to service everyone. We just lead with customer service first. Mm -hmm. So we pick up every phone call, every email, whatever the question is, right? Um, And I felt like there weren't too many black-owned event companies that run camps, clinics, and things like that in our area. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some really, really, really good companies in our area, ridiculously good companies in our area. From Zero Gravity to Hoop Group, um, Greg Kristoff and, and, and those guys and what they're doing there, and NERR, um, Made Hoops. Um, like I said, Sean, like there's a lot of really good um, event companies in the area, but or from down and up. But I just felt like for us, a black-owned company that could run some events for here here in New York yeah. is I felt was needed, and it's done well. We've done well. We've had some really good camps, some really good tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two coming up again this year, but um, it's it's done well. So the, the thought process behind it was there's a need here, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily need for more events, but a need for representation in that event space. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And um, that's where we're at. Kanye West had a line, chasing the fame and turn you to a maniac. Yeah. You know, and you kind of referenced that time, that fire. Yeah. You, you ever had to go back and apologize? To people? Yeah. <laughs> I laugh because like my friends are like, this man don't apologize. <laughs> but I do, though. Um, I actually have a couple of apologies um, that I have to give out um, from last year. Not the public, just like, yo, yeah. listen, man, I was going through something. I get it. We don't got to speak. But listen, I just wanted to say sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that apologizing is truly not necessarily for the other person. Neither is forgiveness. Mm-hmm in my journey you want to apologize to that person you want that person to truly feel that you made a mistake but you also need to forgive yourself so that's what that apology is for like yo i made a mistake i'm moving on i'm not looking back and if you want to keep talking about it three four that's your problem at that point but i want to apologize to you i want you to understand that i'm truly sorry and i understand my actions made you feel a certain way so yes, I have apologized, um, and that's what my thought process is on apologies. I got a little frustrated with the participants that's going to be participating in my city because I'm like, yo, they don't get the vision. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got guys playing in front of their kids; they never had the opportunity in college. You know, the kids just they just had them a few years ago. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. You got people that are teachers now playing in front of the kids, their coach. Like, let's get the word out. You know, what I mean? this this can be really 
um, special. And as an entrepreneur, especially a black man, there's got to be some fearlessness mm -hmm. to walk into the unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, do you ever get frustrated by the people to your left and right for just not getting it? No. Like I, the greatest gift God gave me outside of my daughter was empathy because of my daughter. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a reason for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I won't allow if it, I'm not going to say it's not frustrating. I just don't allow those frustrating moments to become a frustrating day, then a frustrating week, then a frustrating month, which is what happened to me last year. Yeah. That was the first time that ever happened to me. So I just don't allow it. So do I get frustrated? No, because everyone's not. My dad says, you can't be upset at people for not thinking the way that you think or just being completely different in thought process, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how they behave. That's just their upbringing. And you also don't know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you mentioned that they may not get the vision. They may not, but they also may have other real-life adult stuff that's in their way as well, you know, that they may not feel comfortable saying at yeah. the moment. So I don't get frustrated with that. I get frustrated with lack of effort. Yeah. So not understanding, cool. We can teach you that. I get frustrated with lack of effort and not actually trying to truly change and understand what else is going on. Well, we got here 16 March. It's more difficult to be great than it is to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. What's because the difference, like, brother? You, I, I feel like you know how they say one hit wonders or, yo, he did a great job on this or he did a great job on that. Yeah. That's success. Greatness requires a ridiculously high level of consistency mm. and commitment to that. And everyone doesn't have that level of consistency and that level of commitment because the journey is it's wavering it's tiring it's frustrating like you said yeah. so at some point you're just like I don't want to do this anymore this is not what I want to do right and then you sometimes get on a hamster wheel and you think you're growing but you're not you're just maintaining what it is that you got mm -hmm. and what you worked for and until you get out of that segment of growth you can never be great until you get to say my level of consistency my level of commitment to the point that your days become monotonous and they're the exact same, mm -hmm. you won't be great. You may be successful at some things, but you won't truly be great until you decide to be fully committed and fully uh, uh, concentrated on not the end goal, mm -hmm. but just that work that you put in because you're not always going to get that exact end goal. For instance, Lou I had a phenomenal year. We were number two in the country at one mm -hmm. point. We ended the season number five. We came up short at the buzzer against Arizona Compass for the Geico National Championship. Mm. Does that take away from all of the work that we put in? Does it take away from a great season? Because mm. there's a difference between successful and great. And we had a great one. And anytime you want to be someone of greatness, consistency and commitment are the two keys. So that's what I think it makes it really hard to be great as opposed to successful. You talk about day in and day out, same thing. Yes. Even... With your level of success. <clears throat> I don't think people understand that. And there was another text I was looking for, but I couldn't find it. You were actually talking about, you were talking about like sacrifices you made in romantic areas. Like, yo, I, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I you remember that one? Yeah, my, mom, <laughs> my, mom, my mom had a ridiculous, she was on there talking hella nonsense on the post, yeah. like for everyone to see. I'm like, mommy, get out of here. Like, so I just ended up putting the post down. But it just was, um, 
you struggle in relationships because you're never around. You're focused solely on your daughter and your work. Yeah. Um, and I, I could understand it. Yeah. But to be 100% with you, like, that's a sacrifice that in order for me to be what I believe my family needs, yeah. that commitment and sacrifice needs to be there. And I'll take it every day of the week. And I don't think people understand that, like, the guys you think are the guys or, or, or are the guys, they're paying the price for that. There's sacrifices in your life. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, yo, if I was Jay David, I'd been here and there. But you won't be able to be Jay David because he putting in that work. Yeah. Like, you know? it's, it's, it's like, you know how you applauded me for being a, a single father and being present? Mm -hmm. There's still more presence that I could provide for my daughter, mm -hmm. you know? But um, I chose this because I believe that this will allow for us to be closer and for her to have the future that she desires. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Couple more things. Uh, you have these three SSB teams compete on a national level. What do you have for the kids who may not be at that level? Mm -hmm. You know, what does the Jayhawks have as far as teams and opportunities? I will tell you that everybody thinks they're on that level. No. So you, you got to navigate that. But we have a zero gravity team, um, which I'm really proud of because a lot of academics there and things like that, and they'll go and play there. And then we have a hoop group select team, which I'm also really proud of. Um, both leagues provide Division One exposure. Hoop group select has a lot of it. Um, Zero Gravity also has, but they also specialize in the academic side. And those, both of them are very well-organized organizations. So we're able to service our students and put them there. So I think we have one, two, three 15U teams, Two seventeen U. I'm sorry, three seventeen U teams, um, and two sixteen U teams um, for all of these guys because we just want to give them an opportunity. Now, COVID took away a lot of opportunities from these young men, a lot of, and in particular at the Division One level. But we just want to be able to provide opportunities at low cost, essentially, for these families. So we provide hoop group select, and we also provide a zero gravity team. Great, great. Uh, you have. Uh High academic team. Is that something you put together recently? Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's my baby, actually. Everyone's like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because those kids need it, too. Talk to me about that process when you came to that decision. It's a bunch of high-level, high-academic yeah. kids so, on one squad. Yes, and most of them had to have a certain level GPA. Brian helped me set that up. Um, shout out to Jason and Zero Gravity and those guys. Um, and it's not about winning games. Like, they're going to win some games because they're actually talented. Like, but it's academia first. So they'll go to, like, Ivy League camps, you know, Brown, Harvard, Princeton. They'll go to those camps and play. Um, they'll play in front of tons of academic coaches. They'll go to all, like, all academic camp. Like, these are things that they deserve, and they should be able to win that and, and, and do a good job with it. Salute, salute to you for highlighting them. Who else I got here? One of the Jayhawks just won a national championship with UConn. Yeah. Samson Johnson. What was that like for you? Two. Two Jayhawks. Who else you got? So remember I mentioned Mamadou Diara? Yeah. Mamadou's a coach on that team. Wow. Mamadou's a coach on that team. He's a director of play development now. Where'd you watch that game at? Talk to me. Actually, I, I went up to their first round game against Iona because mm -hmm. um, I've never been, ironically, I've never been to an NCAA tournament game. <laughs> You're too busy um, working, Jay. That's why. <laughs> so, so I drove up there for that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then I watched a championship game at home, mm -hmm. like literally at home on the phone with one of my boys. Um, he was at the game. Um, 
and uh, we talked throughout the whole game, and it was surreal to watch. Like people that you look up to, Kamani Young, everybody in this area looks up to him or should look up to him in regards to what he's done and how he's done it and where he's at. Um, Mamadou, he's from us. His little brother, he's from us. Samson, he's from us. So, like, that's a different type of thing to see, you know? Um, three or four people that you love and care for daily to win a national championship together, mm -hmm. that's big. So I was, it was good. It was cool. That's dope, man. Uh, let me just say this. A few years ago, I asked my boy, the guy I lean on when it comes to all this grassroots basketball stuff, this high school basketball stuff, I said, yo, if there was one person from this community that you would want me to interview, who would it be? He said, Jay David. I had the great Claude Johnson in here, who was an author, a scholar. Phenomenal. His young son just committed to the Naval Academy. Yes. Where does he play AAU basketball? Jay Davis, Jayhawks. Let me give you a story. And I called Claude and I, and I told him thank you. So while I was going through all of that, Claude has like different books and different things and he goes, Jay, you just don't look like yourself. Really? You're not coaching like yourself. Um, you don't truly look like yourself. And I feel like we're not able to figure out what to do so Carnegie could be Carnegie. Mm. And we had this conversation. We were on the phone for an hour and 15 minutes. Part of it was contentious. Part of it was uplifting. Part of it was like, all right, let's, let's get this right. We ended up finishing third in um, record last year at Adidas. Wow. That conversation I had gave me enough energy to push through that season with Claude because he was like, you know, like I said, I usually hold myself accountable to look in the mirror. He was like, I'm going to hold you accountable to who you say you are, who we believe you are, and you need to come back to that person. You know, and I'll never forget him for that, ever. That's amazing. You have a parent who's calling yeah. to say, yo, Jay, what's up? So I, I actually initiated the conversation mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to talk about his son and playing and different mm -hmm. things like that. And then, you know, so like I said, part of it in the beginning was contentious and then he kind of like circled back like yo you're a man that we all look up to and I know you might be struggling but you're not handling it right mm -hmm. so he was he was really good for me um he was really really good for me and and while I was going through it <clears throat> there's a stigma about um black men that could you know show emotion yeah. or show vulnerability mm -hmm. and things like that but when I was going through it, what I realized was I mean more to people than even I know. Mm -hmm. You know, like I had a young man, Chris Ledlum, who I love to death. He had um, surgery, and usually I would check. But I was so caught up in my emotions. He's like, yo, Jay, I had my surgery. You know, you didn't call him. Like, yeah, Chris, I was, you know, dealing with something. We had our own little talk, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I use those people's names because they were all very instrumental to me become, coming back to myself. But they've all been great for me. And I realized that people do love me and people do count on me. And I need to be there for them, too. What do you think of Carnegie's decision to sign to the Naval Academy? It's as organic as it could be. Really? Yeah. I remember we were playing a game this year, and I, I think I tried to call something. And Carnegie was like, nah, you're not calling that. You're doing this. All right, Carnegie, you got it. And, like, that's what I always wanted for me and him. Yeah. Like, we've always had that relationship. I always wanted that for me and him. And, um, like I said, each one of these groups teach me something different. So...
That was rather shocking because when you think of playing college basketball, kids want to go play around and be free. Like you signing up for a military academy. Yeah. That speaks volumes about who that young man is, and ultimately the type of people you have in your program. Yeah, he. Um, I, I will start by saying I think the 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 service academies in the United States are some of the best schools in the entire country. Mm. Flat out, period. No one could tell me different. Not one person on earth. Now, Jay, as, a, as uh, adults, we understand that. You know, I, I'm actually in... No, as a kid, I, I understood that. Oh, you a special brother. I went, I went to military school. Yeah. So I saw those schools firsthand. Mm -hmm. How you get dressed in the whites for, you know, as a yeah. captain in, in, in the parade. Put your hat on, your epaulets. Like you putting your stripes on, you buttoning up, you shining your shoes. There's a level of pride to that. Mm -hmm. And because of his father and how he was raised, he has a ridiculous level of pride. And he's a leader. First and foremost, he's a leader, mm -hmm. no matter what. And if he don't, if you don't come around um, Carnegie and learn something, that's you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't surprised at that decision. He called me the day before, and I was like, yo, bro, let's go. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get to it. Because I know what those schools mean, and I know what it could do for his life, you know? Um, and I know what he could do for the Naval Academy and what he could do for our country because he is that kind of kid. And he coached, he played under a great coach with Joe Mantegna at Blair. He has a great father. Um, he's been great his entire life, and I don't see that changing. And I think that decision was probably as organic as any other decision I've ever seen in my life. Dope, dope. Uh, Kenny P said, uh, asked him about his Adidas deal. Yeah. He said, the great Jay David. <laughs> Talk to me like, you kind of like... Grassroots regional director. What's your title nah, here with Adidas? So at, at, at the time, um, I was doing stuff with Legacy, our Legacy program. Mm -hmm. um, I was blessed enough to have that opportunity, um, and it really is just where it needs to be. That's what Legacy was. Um, you know, we had a great director before in, in Joe Cruz, and then I, I was able to do it, and I'm sure there'll be someone else, you know, even for, more phenomenal than me after, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a ridiculously awesome program to be part of. Um, you get to help those kids, get internships, get those kids scholarship monies, so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I'll miss it, but though, it's it's a dope experience because it's a community-based programming, which is not based on if your team is good or not. Mm -hmm. It's based on where you're at, how we can service you, how we can uplift you, and like I said earlier, it's representation. The representation matters, mm -hmm. and that's big for us. So that's that's the, the the crux of it for me. How does being a leader differ from being just a basketball coach? They're not that different, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, basketball coaches are not supposed to just coach basketball mm -hmm. because there's so many lessons in sports that you can take and translate to your real life, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yes, um, they're not that different to me. But in order for you to be a good leader, you have to at one point be a great follower. Mm -hmm. And you also have to be, you have to have an ego, but you can't have an ego that allows for you not to listen to those around you. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and I think that's a big thing. Um, I don't think there's big difference between the two, but I do think that being a leader overall, as opposed to in one space, provides bigger opportunities. For me, both of them are the same. Mm -hmm. You 
this is your fiefdom, basketball, and you're a leader in life. Yes. What you're trying to do is you're trying to change the people that are directly around you so those people can go out and change the people directly around them mm. and so on and so forth, which then becomes a snowball effect and then you could actually change the world. It's the only way you can do it. So that's what I believe both of those you know, leaders, basketball coaches provide. I believe they're one and the same, just in different, different areas of expertise. What's next, Jay David? What's the level up look like for you and the Jayhawks? Honestly, I think we have a really good program this year. Um, Coach Brian and, and Coach Shep and Coach Dante, Coach Styles, and everyone um, leading that group. Um, you know, they're going to go out and compete, get some scholarships, mm -hmm. um, get back in our community this year. Um, and really, honestly, man, just try to be upstanding men. You know, um, and go out there and, and do some things differently. It's not just about winning games for us. And I remember someone asking us, like, yo, what choice do you want? Do you either want to be a team that wins games or you want to be a team that changes men? And he said it to me, and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you can't do both. Wow. And I disagree because we've done both. We've won games and we've built men. And, um, and we want to continue to do that, continue to do it at a high level because now we have more teams. Um, we want to support other programs that may not necessarily understand this mm -hmm. and want to get to that space. Um, wow. How, support other programs? Yeah. Like, why shouldn't we? Like I, like I told you earlier, we took some from other programs to learn to get to here. Like, um, I've gotten advice from Coach Dana and Coach Shandu on how to do things. I've gotten advice from Coach, Coach Terrence Munch Williams on how to do things. Rame and, and those guys on how to do things. Um, I was had countless conversations with Andy Borman, right? Um, I don't, I'm not who I am without talking to all these people. Mm -hmm. Like everyone may not like me per se, but like I know for whoever I encounter, that person has taught me something. Mm -hmm. So if I can help other programs, then I'm going to do that. And there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to help each other. Like I'm not always going to be. Oh, sorry. Let me take that back. We not we're not always going to have a sneaker deal. We're not always going to be the premier basketball program in the area, mm -hmm. in, in, in my eyes, right? Um, but what we will always be is great young men and great people, and being able to help other programs grow is part of our mission as well. And I'm just thankful that all of these other programs here have given me something to to learn from. That's dope. So That's dope. Uh, Mr. J. David, we greatly appreciate you joining us here Thanks at WBH Radio. Me. Thank you. I'm not going to put you on the spot because I know you're a busy man. <laughs> nah, we're good. But September 23rd, I'm putting together a live in-person podcast. Yep. I would love for you to join us if you can. It's going to be yep. a cool night out in the city. Uh, just celebrate the community that we've built around the podcast. Yeah, nice. Um, and that's it, my brother. I'm there. Just let me know in advance a couple weeks early. <laughs> I'll get on the calendar. Mr. J. David, thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Appreciate it's WBH you. Radio. I'm William Holly. We out.